we're going to cover a lot of ground, so uh, I hope you got your uh, ground covering clothes on, uh, because I am going to go through verse 25 of Genesis 2. Tonight I will answer one of the most pressing questions that have ever come before man, uh, and when I get ready to deal with it, I'll tell you the question, and then I'll show you. The Bible gives you the answer. It's really kind of cool the way God does this stuff. Um, we are looking at something that I have entitled the creation. Uh, and it begins in uh, Genesis 1-1 and goes through chapter 2, verse 25. Um, there's a reiteration that appears beginning in verse 4 of chapter 2. It gets more specific. Um, I've seen a lot of people get confused about it, and i never really seen what the confusion was. It was sort of like in chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 3, God says, here's the big picture. And then 4 through 25, he said, um, this is sort of how the specifics of the details. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, then we'll read um, each section as we go through it. Father, we come before you. Lord, uh, you are the, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the Alpha and Omega. Father, you are the beginning and the end. And, Father, we now begin in an area of the beginnings. And, Father, we look with anticipation um, to the end. When all is redeemed that you have set before you, Father, that there is a new heaven and that there is a new earth. And, Father, and sin is done away with completely. Father, let us live in light of that hope. Father, let us live in light uh, of your surpassing greatness, your surpassing power. And, Father, let us draw to your word uh, in spite of the things that we, we believe we understand. Father, let us draw to you, you, Lord, who hold it all in your hands. To your glory and praise. Amen. I broke this into three sections, the beginning, the days, and the man and woman. Uh, and it is creation. Uh, I am not going to go into detail with this. There's some things that I want to deal with. And the first part of is the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the, earth, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the uh, surface of the waters. And what you have right there is the beginnings. How does it begin? And God speaks into existence the material that he needs to create. Okay, uh, next to Hilo. They're out of nothing, something. And he gets all of his stuff together, and then he begins. I, I want us to think about this because you're starting into a section that is known to the Jewish people and is cherished by the Jewish people. You will hear the Jewish people, um, whether you're New Testament or the Old Testament, uh, or if you talk to Jews, practicing Jews today, and you will hear them speak of the writings of Moses. And this is part of the Pentateuch. The word Pentateuch means five scrolls. It's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, and Genesis, um, what you call the beginnings uh, is 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 a actually a Septuagint translation of the word Genesis in the Hebrew. Uh, it is in the beginning. So if you were to look at it in the original Hebrew writings, you would see it as in the beginnings. 
um, what you know as the term Genesis, the book of Genesis, whatever your title is, comes from the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it means origins. All right? If you look at verses, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God. That's cool because right there it says God is before time. Before anything started, God was already there. You know, because I mean, I've had little kids ask me, you know, where did, who created God? Uh, he was already there. And that's a little hard for little kids. It's a little hard for big kids. Uh, it's very difficult. In the beginning, God. What does that mean? Well, God was just hanging out. Well, what was he doing? And I've had little kids ask me that one time. You know, what was he doing? And I said, I don't, Nintendo, I think, but I don't know for sure. Um, you know, Zelda is what I heard that he was his favorite. Um, I don't know. It's, it's an amazing book because if you really look at the Pentateuch, the, the Pentateuch starts at the beginning of creation and goes all the way through Egypt. Okay, the Egyptian captivity. Um, the book of Genesis that we are kind of dropped into right now is actually what happens in the book of Genesis is 300 years before Moses is born. Um, the author of Genesis is not identified I mean, he doesn't say, um, my name's Bill Shakespeare and I'm going to write the book of Genesis. Um, when you look at a lot of the New Testament letters or uh, the prophetic letters, uh, things like that, the author identifies himself. The author does not identify himself here, but the Old Testament identifies him and the New Testament identify him. And they say Moses wrote it. Okay, and I have a lot of people say, well, Moses couldn't have wrote it. Well, Jesus seemed to think he could. Jesus seemed to think he did. And I'm, huh, did he or didn't he? Um, But it was written, well, yeah, it was written after the Exodus. And the Exodus is 1445 B.C. All right. But it's written... Before Moses' death, which is 1405 B.C. So Moses claims to write it, and they like to say, well, Moses wouldn't have had this information. Probably not. But God gave him the information, and therefore he wrote it down. And I see a lot of people who want to show me their ignorance because they have a bunch of little letters after the end of their name. And, well, this is impossible. Really? Why do you say that? Well, because, you know, it was before men could write and this, that, and the other. Well, God seemed to think so. If you look at the book of Genesis, there are what I call three, um, I don't know what word I would use. Yeah, I do. Three what I call traumatic events in Genesis. Uh, one is the fall. Okay. I guess I could use epic traumatic events. I mean, beyond your comprehension events, um, the fall, uh, the universal flood, uh, and the dispersion of nations. All the nations come out. Um, and But, you know, when I read this, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface. When I read that, you know what's amazing about the whole book of Genesis? Moses does make no attempt whatsoever to even attempt to defend the existence of God. Um, the, um, in theology, they call it apologetics. I, I don't even like that word. 
Um, I'm not sorry for God, <laughs> but, but, but it, it, it is, I need to defend the existence of God. Why didn't Moses? I mean, Moses jumps in some eyeball deep stuff here. In the beginning, God, and he created the heavens and the earth. I don't even have to defend whether there is a God or not. Uh, it just, he just makes a statement and just says there. And I don't have any problem with it. Okay, when I read that first two verses, I look at it and you know what I see? God exists eternally self-sufficient. He's dependent on nothing. Okay, and what was really cool about it is that God wants his people to know the origins. How did it all start? Okay, he uses the word there. In the beginning, God, it's Elohim. Everybody says, well, that's a plural for God, Elo, and Him is plural. You know what it means? Supreme One. I could care less whether it is plural. Why? You're telling me in the first verse of the Bible, God proves the Trinity. And the issue there is what? I have no problem with that. In the beginning, God, and then at the end of verse 2, it says that the Spirit of God was moving. All right. Sounds right to me. I never really struggled with that. Well, but it says Elohim. Uh-huh. That means what? Plural. Mm-hmm. One God, three separate entities. Okay. Please don't jump into this. Well, it's like an egg. No, it ain't nothing like an egg. You know, you got the white, the yolk, and the shell. Nope. Ain't nothing like an egg. It's not omnipresent. Okay. Well, it's like water. Steam. Liquid, frozen. Nope. It ain't nothing like water. Okay? He made water. It ain't nothing like water. It ain't like egg. Okay? And I heard a guy one time tell me, he said, well, it's sort of like the Apollo mission. And I was like, what? You know, one guy circled around the moon and two went down. No. (laughs) They weren't triplets. (laughs) It wasn't like they were all related. So, I, I, listen, when you start thinking about the Trinity, just accept it. Why? That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? Parts of the Bible, brothers and sisters, let me explain this to you, and I love you, is taken by faith. It's taken by faith. I, I taught on Genesis a number of years ago, and I decided to just do a quick count and, you know, how many years has existence been around, and, and I couldn't get 6,000 years, and it sort of bummed me out when I got done. So I went back. I did it about four times. I thought, you know, I'm kind of lousy at math. Maybe I just ain't getting this thing right. And I just kept going back and back and back. And I said, you know what? I can't get six grand out of this. Okay. Gosh, you know, and I was thinking, you know, 25 or 35, maybe 50,000 years. Because I have been programmed over and over and over and over and over and billions and zillions and quadrillions and more than you could ever think of years. Okay. And no, it don't work. Don't work. Well, light travels at... The speed God wants it to. Okay? That's the thing that you and I have to understand. Well, God does whatever God wants to do. You've got to remember, He spoke. There it is. Okay? Try that one. Well, calculating. No, 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 no. What are you going to say? God is like an egg? A shell, a yolk, and the white? No, I don't think so. Uh, No, He ain't like water either. Okay? Verse 2 says that it is without form and is void. Uh, literal Hebrew on this is not finished in its shape. 
Okay, so basically what he did is he brought all the raw material together and it says that the Spirit of God was there in the process. God made the heavens and the earth and it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to think about something else too because it says that the Son was involved. All right, not in that text. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says the Trinity was involved in creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's how it began. That's the beginnings. The next thing that you have in your outline are the days. Okay? That's verse 3 through chapter 2, verse 3. All right. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I like that. All right. Now, be real careful about that verse because people freak out. It says, look, he made light. Okay. Verse four, God said the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day. He called the dark, darkness. He called night. There was evening and there was morning one day. Okay, but you're going to find out um, it isn't until day four that he puts the planets in. Well, what the heck was that? It was light. Not hard. Day four, he puts the stars in. I don't have a problem with that. Why? It's his creation. He can do it however he wants. I want you to look at something here. I want you to look at verse 5, verse 8, verse 13, verse 19, verse 23, and verse 31. Okay? They all have the same phrasing. Verse 5, I just read, says there was evening and there was morning one day. Verse 8, there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 13 says that there was evening and there was morning the third day verse 19 says there was evening and there was morning the fourth day verse 23 says that there was evening and morning the fifth day and verse 31 uh, says that there was evening and morning and it was the sixth day okay now i have heard a lot of stuff in my life um, on what does this mean okay if you've ever heard of Yom Kippur, um, Yom Kippur, Kippur is atoning, okay, Yom is day, if you look at those verses that I just gave you, it says Yom, okay, now Yom ha- is, um, is translated day, but without emphasis given to it, either before or after, it has no delineation of time, Okay, you understand what I'm trying to say? It can be a yom. Okay, that could be a 20-second yom. It could be a 500-year yom. All right? People will take the text out of Peter and say, To God, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And what they will try to argue is that if you go through these texts, you will see that God created through the process of evolution and the reason is is that well the world looks old okay uh, what is part of the byproduct of sin 
We look old. We age. I haven't seen anybody beat that. Okay? It's a, it's a, it's a product of sin. Um, anybody know how old Adam was when God created him? Listen, Adam wasn't an infant and Mother Nature took care of him until he got up and started walking. We don't know how old he was. I know how old he was when he got the big boot, but I don't know, was he 33? He was the same age as Jesus. How do you know that? I don't know how old he was. I know that he could hang out with God. I know that he could name all the animals. I know that when he saw the female, he went, whoa, man. Okay, I mean, I understand all of that, but I don't, I don't know how old he was. Okay, when you take a rib out of somebody and you put it up there and you put a human on it, how old is the human? I don't know. Okay, here's the second thing I want you to think about when you think about the days of creation. Verse 5. There was evening and there was morning one day. Okay, you know why that's in there? Because it's one day. Okay, it is a 24-hour day. If he had just sat in there and it was one day, then it can be anything you want it to be. It could be a billion years. It could be a gazillion years. It could be 22 seconds. If it's just the word one yom, but it's not. He says there is morning, there is evening, and there was morning one day. So how long was it? 24 hours. All right. So here's what the Bible teaches. It is a literal six-day week. Okay, yes, there's a seventh. It's this day of rest. Why? He sat down and he rested. It isn't that complicated. He did it in a good order and he did it in a day. Each event that he took care of was a 24-hour cycle. All right? It is a week. Listen, you see it in Exodus. Jesus speaks of it. It's why they honor the Sabbath. All of that is all based on what? A day. Okay, God did not... One of the things that you will look at in years to come in the Peter letter is that a day is a thousand years is a thousand years is a day to God. Absolutely. Why? He's eternal. I mean, that is the worst handling of a text of Scripture that I've ever heard in my life. It has absolutely nothing to do with the creation event. It just has to do with God is eternal. Well, is He or isn't He? Absolutely, He is eternal. So do you understand what I'm, I'm trying to get at this? He lays it out. He puts his material together and he has some light because he's going to get to work. You know, uh, if you're a guy, uh, God is male. Sorry, ladies. But if you're getting ready to do something, you turn the lights on so that you can get, get after it. Uh, and when you want to stop, you turn the lights off. Okay, your kids don't learn that until they get to pay electric bills, but it's still nothing has changed. Why do men turn the lights on in the shop? I'm getting ready to go do something. I'm going to turn the lights on. Okay, Uh, God said, let the expanse 
the mist of the waters be separated from the waters from the water. So he puts some kind of a cloud around uh, the planet Earth there in verse 6. God made the expanse and separated waters which were below the expanse uh, from the waters that which were above the expanse. And it was so. I love that phrase. It was so. Creation didn't argue with him. The creation didn't say, well, why? <laughs> What's the point of that? I like it when God just said, it is so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the second day. All right? I mean, that's a lot of work in two days. Okay? Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. I like that. You know what that means? God spoke. It happened. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters. He called the seas and God saw that it was good. All right. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. Guess what? And it was so. I like that. You know what it means? You and I can't comprehend the power of God. All he does is speak and it happens. Verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetations, plants yielding after their own kind, trees bearing fruit with their seeds. I like that because it doesn't say the plants were bearing trees and the trees were bearing plants. Um, I I see people trying to argue that. Um, Part of the evolutionary theory now is is that um, two ducks came together to mate and they gave birth to an alligator and they said wow see there and I'm sitting there going you got serious faith there dude <laughs> but what I, they're, they're calling it I, they've got a name for it I call it oh my god <laughs> only your mother's going to love you <laughs> but, um, you know I, I don't know I'm just sitting there going well, they said that that's what happens I was like they're trying to find transitions and they haven't found transitions so they said that, you know, two animals came together and they gave birth to, you know, I didn't use the illustration of two ducks come together and they gave birth to a hippo. I mean, <laughs> everybody's, that's going to kill your mother. Uh, uh, but you see what I'm trying to get at? There's a reason there's no transitions. It doesn't happen. You can't put two dogs together and get a cat. Okay, well, they're close, but you know what? You ain't going to get that to happen. It, it ain't happening. It's going to be after their own kind. I mean, you may get a yellow dog or a spotted dog or a dumb dog or a smart dog, but you ain't going to get a water buffalo. Okay, that's the kind of... St- and I hear this. Well, you know, this could this is possible. Really? How possible is it? I, you know, I again, it goes back to what I see in the fallenness of man. Are you that stupid? And it dawns on me. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, let's let's press on here. Verse nine. God said, let the waters below be gathered together in one place. Uh, he called dry land to earth. He put fruit and trees together. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind. I like that phrase. Verse 13. And it was the evening and there was morning and it was the third day. Third day. Okay. 
Verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the expanse. See, this is where all the scientists come in. Well, light travels at this speed of light. And if you've got this planet on the other side of nowhere and, and it's traveling, how did it get there? Well, because verse 14, God says, look, let's put light. It's not hard. He just hung the light. The planets he'd already put up there. And he says, I put all these really cool planets. I put all these really cool stars up there. Nobody can see them. So let's hang some light on them. It's no different than Christmas decorations. I want somebody to see this. You hang them up on your house. If you don't plug them in, what happens? Nobody knows you did it. God says, hey, let's put some light on these planets. I worked hard flinging these up here and I named them all. So let's put some light on them. That's what he did in verse 14. Okay. And he did it for a reason. It's a signs for the seasons and for the days and for the years. Okay, let let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so God made two great lights. Okay, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. And he made the stars also. I like the way he just throws that in there. Oh, yeah. And the stars also. No big deal. (laughs) You know, he made the moon and the sun. Oh, yeah. And them other stars. Okay, I just, I don't know, that's kind of me. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night to separate the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. Okay, and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly from above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created great sea monsters and every living creature that moves <clears throat> with which the waters swarm with all kind after their kind and the winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth a fifth day. Now, right there in that phrase answers one of the greatest questions that has ever been asked. Actually, it comes right there in uh, verse 20. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? God said the chicken did. It's not complicated. It says right there, day five. Okay? All right? Have you never sat around and contemplated that? Hmm. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God said it was good. Now then I want you to look at verse 26 because I'm going to move into this a little more in chapter 2. Okay. And then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea 
uh, over the birds. See, that proves their sin because the fish do not listen to me. Uh, and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them and he, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the <clears throat> surface of the earth and every tree that is f- has fruit yielding seed it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every kind of bird every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life i have given every green plant for food um, and it was so and god saw that he had what he had made and behold it was very good this is evening and the morning, the sixth day. Okay, now I want to show you something in that text right there, a couple of things. I get a lot of questions on what does it mean, and I've heard a lot of perversion of being created in the image of God. All right? Uh, I've heard a, a lot of things on this text, actually. Uh, and most of what I hear is wrong. All right? In our image according to our likeness. What does that mean? Well, that means man has free will. No, he doesn't. Okay, listen, God doesn't have free will. God can't sin. He doesn't have free will. Okay, God makes decisions based on his righteousness, his holiness, his judgment. All right, what do you make your decisions on? All right, but I will show you what it's for. First time you see God, what is God doing? Working. All right, you were created in his image. What should you be doing? Oh, God, I hate that thought. All right? That's what I use for my kids. Get a job. All right? But it's true. What was God doing? One of our greatest sacred sacraments that we can have is to work as unto the Lord. All right? But there is also dominion taking place here. You will subdue this. You will subdue the planet. You will subdue the garden. You will subdue the vegetation. You will cultivate this vegetation. It was, it was, it was man's responsibility to literally increase the fruit that God had provided. You know what that means? Work. Work. And that, if you're really honest with yourself, that's why God gives us work to increase the fruit that God has already provided. I see people today think that I'm supposed to go to church to get, and you're truly supposed to go to church to give. Why? Because I was created in His image. I have a likeness that God has. Listen, I don't push that more than what it needs. I am to subdue my environment. I am to take care of my environment. And I am to bear fruit. I am to cultivate whatever God has given me. And let me tell you something. That's going to take work. That's going to take work. So when I read this and it says, you were created in His image... Oh, man, I've watched people go crazy on that. That's nuts. But what I want you to see is in the beginning, verses 1 and 2. All right? God, in the beginning, eternal being, with the Godhead, 
created. The first thing they did was brought all the material together that they needed. And what I mean by bringing all the material together, out of nothing became everything. He spoke it into existence. I need time. Have you ever thought about that? That just always causes me to scratch my head. God created time. Uh, how do you do that? But he did. Why? He gave you six days. He gave you planet and stars for seasons and years. And he created time. And that's fascinating to me because I, I was reading a guy named Arthur Pink. And Pink was talking about God's patience. And he starts it out with this thought that um, God is patient, but God is not bound by time. So patience is directly linked to time. So how can God be patient if God is not bound by time? And then I put the book down. He <laughs> said, why did you think of that? <laughs> and golly, go play bingo or something. Um, but I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I do. Why? Who is it for? For you and me. For you and me. Okay. This man and a woman. All right. You see the six days. Okay. Six days. Thus the heavens and the earth were complete and all their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. And when you read the word sanctify, it means he set it apart. Okay, instead of a weekend, God had a day off. Okay, what is the Sabbath? It's a day of rest. It's a day of rest. Okay, basically God says, in my image, in my likeness, take a day of rest. Because I've had people say, well, you know, Sunday is the day of rest. And I, you know, no, you have to have a day of rest. Which one was it? And, and I'll deal with this when we get over to Hebrews and Joshua. It's going to take me a while. And it's called the Sabbath rest. What is it? I rest in Christ. You know what? If you're a true Christian and you're walking with Christ, the easiest thing you can ever do is walk with Christ. Because you don't have to do nothing. Christ does it all. And you have entered into His rest. Everybody looks at me like, what? Never mind. That's a few years down the road. Okay? I won't even touch it in Leviticus. But we have to think about this because he set it apart. He says you need a day of rest one day. All right? Because I have people say, well, you know, isn't Sunday the day of rest? You haven't preached yet. As soon as you preach once, you'll see how restful Sundays are. They're just hilarious. Okay? Yeah, when I leave here on Sundays, ask my wife, I usually go home and become catatonic. Just And I come out of my coma quick enough to get back on Sunday night. And then and some of you have run into me on Mondays and say, he's still catatonic. And then some of you run on, he's, on Wednesdays, he's still catatonic. Uh, it wears me out. Okay, um, that's the kind of stuff that you guys are going to have to look at in your own lives. God says take a break, take a break. But what I have learned is, is that when I walk with my king, I am in his rest. And I don't have to worry about it. And uh, being a Christian is one of the laziest jobs you can have. I don't do anything. I'm just a clay pot and God works through the clay pot. It's kind of fun. Okay, I want to look at this and I want to just think about this really quick. All right, verses 4 through 25 of chapter 2. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. Okay, 
Now, Moses is getting specific here. And he doesn't go through and give you on day one, he did this. On day two, he did this. But he's given specifics. Okay. Now, no shrub of the field was yet on the earth and no plant in the field was yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth. And there was no man to what? Cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Okay, this is that, um, they call it a um, hydrological canopy that hangs over the earth and that at some point that that evaporated and now we're exposed to ultraviolet rays and we're all going to die. No, sin, you're going to die. Okay, ultraviolet rays play into it, but the biggest problem is sin. Okay, Lord God formed man from the dust. The ground breathed into his nostrils, uh, the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay, now that right there, verse 7 of chapter 2, is the reason that man has um, such a great responsibility. Um, who was first? No, not who was on first, but who was first? Man. So who has the greatest responsibility? Man. Right. It makes him the prototokos. That's the Greek word. He is the firstborn. He is, I'm going to say it, and you can throw something at me if you want. He is the preeminent one. Okay? I can show you in the New Testament where it says, you know what? Man will be judged for this. Why? Because woman is underneath it. I want you to look at this because there's a huge frame that God starts out right here in chapter 2 that you and I struggle with. Okay, there are two pillars that holds the whole thing up. All right. One is the pillar of authority and one is the pillar of submission. Okay, you cannot look at creation and not see that exist anywhere. I don't care if it's hippopotamuses. I don't care if it's ducks. I don't care if it's earthworms. I don't care what it is. There is authority and submission. Okay. And if you're in the position of submission, you hate the people who are in the place of authority. Why? It's your sin nature. It's your sin nature. All right? But he sets it out, verse 7, there it is. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden on the east in Eden, and then he shows that he makes these rivers, and he puts trees, and they were pleasing to the sight, and they were good for food. There was a tree of life in the midst of the garden, a tree of, uh, uh, of knowledge of good and evil, and there were some rivers in there, uh, and, and you just go through that, and you see it, and the Lord God took, verse 15, and God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So God, in verse 15 of chapter 2, says, In my image, in my likeness, man, you will work. Okay? I gave you fruit, and now I want you to multiply that fruit. Okay? All right, now I want to show you something. How man struggles. In verses 16 and 17, you see the smallest Bible that ever existed. Okay? It wasn't hard to memorize. Okay? And listen, I struggle memorizing Scripture. I don't care about the rest of you, but I struggle. I, I can take it in. I just can't make it stick. It's, it's, we don't go there. Don't even think about it real hard. I just struggle memorizing. All right, here's what it says. The Lord God commanded a man saying from... Any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but 
From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat from it, you shall surely die. Okay, that's an easy Bible to remember. And it is obvious that there was a problem. We'll deal with this next week. Because God says, don't eat of it or you will die. You will surely die. All right. When the tempter comes to Eve, what does he say? He misquotes the Bible. And it ain't a big Bible. It's a little bitty Bible. Of any tree, you can eat. And it is good. Any. It is good. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of it. If you do, you will surely die. That is not a complicated Bible. Okay, I don't have to worry about Old Testament and New Testament. I don't have to worry about prophets. I don't have to worry about Levitical law. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? I just got to remember that. Just don't eat of it. Okay, when the snake comes, what does he say? If you eat of it or touch it. Is that what God said? No. Okay, so do you see that even there is the beginning, all right? Adam did something wrong. I've shared this with people in the past. It is man's responsibility to protect his wife. And part of that protection is more than carrying a gun and putting locks on the windows and stuff like that. Protection is, let me tell you what to do and not to do. Now, I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. That ain't my responsibility. If the woman listens... Praise God. If she doesn't listen, I'll praise God a little later (laughs) or or a little quieter. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And, you know, I don't know the dialogue that happened between Adam and Eve. But for whatever reason, Eve was not being protected by Adam. Okay. And the tempter came. He threw in doubt. And when throwing in doubt, what happened? Okay. And he quoted scripture, sort of. You know what the evil one does today? He quotes scripture sort of. Okay. And if I don't know as a man, if I don't know what the scripture says, then how do I protect the woman? How do I protect her? I got to know what it says. And you know what, guys? This is non-negotiable. You don't get to negotiate this thing. All right. And so it was man's responsibility that he hung out with God for a time. I don't know how long it was. He hung out with God for a time. It was long enough to name all the animals and all the birds. Okay. And, and then God put him to sleep, took a rib out, and he got woman. And, you know, yeah, I know all the jokes. You know, <laughs> what can I get for an arm? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but, you know, you got this for a rib. Fine. Uh, but that's fine. But I want to show you something. Right there he begins the institution that you and I know as marriage. And here's the big issue that I want you to think about. All right. He says, for this reason, you will leave your parents and you will what? Cleave. I think one of the greatest struggles that I see in the American family today is there's no leaving and cleaving. Okay? I don't see it. From either side. 
I get mad at you, I go back to mom and dad. She gets mad, she goes back to mom and dad. Uh, they never come together to work it out. Why? It is my responsibility as a father to train up my children so that they understand the responsibilities that they are going to have to deal with. Okay? Listen, you give them the best counsel you can, but I tell you what, I've already made the statement in my home. Uh, my son is preparing to marry in, uh, in May or June. I don't know. I'm sure somebody will let me in on it. Whenever he gets married, that's done. You, he ain't going to get the option of leaving and cleaving. It's called boot and scoot. <laughs> no, you're done, dude. You're done. Why? That woman is a gift to you from God. You cherish it. See ya. Bye. I've done my thing. Okay. Now, if you didn't get it, I'm sorry. We got to get a hold of this, people. Why? It started a few years ago. About 6,000 years ago. God says, here's how marriage is going to work. Okay. And if you have other options out there, then what do you do with the covenant of marriage? You get into trouble. That's the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. So when I look at just this text, I can say, you know what? In the beginning, God, the eternal being. Okay? The second thing I see, six little days. And on the seventh, he rested. He gave us, here's what you need to do for work. Here's what you need to do to rest. Okay? And set it apart unto me. All right? Do, us, do it all as unto me. I like that. It's six. I, nah, you know, it makes creation a lot younger than everybody claims it is. But you know what? If he can hang the lights on the planets, I'm thinking that making it look old ain't that big a deal. I mean, being that he took a big pile of dirt and made a man and then took a rib out of a man and made a woman, I'm thinking that it's really not complicated for him. It's not like he's stressing. Okay, and then the... The next thing is, is that the man is this, the authority figure to the woman. The woman submits to that authority, okay? And the man's responsibility is to protect the woman. And one of the ways that he will have to do that is to leave and cleave. He has to leave his family, and he has to cleave to that woman. She has to be everything for him, okay? And if he doesn't get it out of that woman, you know what? You can't, well, I'll go back to mom and dad. Nope. Can't do it. Can't do it. That ain't the way God designed it. Okay? And that you see just in the first two chapters of Genesis. Okay? Why? It is the origins of what? All that you and I know. All that you and I know. That is totally cool to me. God is eternal, six literal days in the image of God, the institution of Mary. Um, and, and the greatest foundation for your marriage is to leave and cleave. Okay? You're coveting now with that individual. Okay? Which means I'm not with these parents anymore. I am with this person. And that's that for better or worse. <laughs> okay? And God did that. It shows that to us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 through Genesis 2.25. God is an awesome God. And let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your book. I thank you for the beginnings. I thank you for um, the institution of marriage. Father, I thank you that we were created in your image. Father, I thank you that you uh, 
done immeasurably more than we ever dreamed or imagined. Father, we draw to you, draw to you alone. We praise you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.